Hello, and welcome to the Living a Culture of Life podcast by Human Life International. I'm your host, Colleen Haupt, and I'm joined today by Wendy Burpee. Hey. Hi. And Wendy Burpee is the Executive Director of Genesis Women's Clinic of Pottstown in Phoenixville. She's a certified biblical counselor specializing in abortion counseling and trauma, and she's also the founder of Wendy for Life and recently published a book entitled Running Towards Abortion, A Journey of Healing and Redemption. So it's great to have you here today. Thank you. And so let's just get started. I read your book and it's such a powerful story. So would you mind just sharing that with our audience? Just Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I started that about two and a half years ago and um, just felt that God was leading me to um, be transparent about the difficult past that I had. And, um, you know, maybe not too typical of a past because I was raised in a Christian environment, went to a very good Christian school um, and so you wouldn't expect uh, somebody who had been raised that way to um, go out into the world and choose um, abortion. Um, but that is what I did. And um, when I came back from my first year of college, I met someone um, and, you know, just made some wrong decisions, made some um, mistakes that I, I knew I shouldn't have, but I was um, kind of wanting to put God to the side for a bit and just live my own life and do my own thing. And um, so I, uh, you know, I got involved in a relationship and uh, found myself pregnant and didn't know what to do and was really filled with fear that my Christian community would never embrace me again. Um, and that just really was the main thing that I kept thinking about. I'll just never be accepted by them again. And um, you know, as an adult woman now, I know that that was a lie. That was fear. That was controlling my thinking. And it was such a powerful fear that I walked into Planned Parenthood. Um, I didn't actually go that day intending to have an abortion. I thought in my <laughs> naive mind that uh, I would just go and discuss it. Um, the person I was with, you know, said, come on, let's go. Let's talk about this and we'll find out what they say. And um, being raised in a Christian school, of course, I knew it was wrong. Morally, I knew it was wrong that God didn't want that. Um, but the fine details of understanding exactly what abortion is, I didn't really know very much. So I went in and uh, talked to a woman, and they did an ultrasound, which I was not allowed to see. And so I didn't really know exactly how far along I was, or um, I didn't get to see or hear a heartbeat or anything like that. And then I was taken to another room where they told me I would be seen by a doctor. So I thought, okay, well, I'll get a chance to ask questions. And um, I don't know, like, what I'm going to do yet. Um, but I was really nervous and shaking, and um, she gave me a medication, which she said would calm me down and, and help me, you know, relax. And, um, and then I woke up, mm -hmm. and I was in the recovery room. Wow. And I was in a lot of pain. And so I knew that the thing that I wanted to talk about was done. And um, it, was, it was really kind of an eerie feeling. There was other girls in the room. Because you wake up sitting up in a chair. And you're kind of slumped over. But you're, you're wondering, how did you get in this room, in this chair? <laughs> how did all this happen? Um, and there was other girls kind of also waking up, and um, some of them are getting sick. And it, it, was, it was really 
a dark moment. And, um, you know, I can remember them saying to me that, you know, we're going to we'll get this taken care of and then everything will be fine. But it certainly wasn't fine. Um, nothing was fine after that. And so I, I uh, waited for them to tell me I could leave and um, went out to the waiting room. And, you know, he was looking at me a little bit, you know, with sad eyes and I didn't really want to talk. And we drove home and and um, I just decided I would never think about it again. I would never think about it again, this horrible thing that I had done. I would never tell anyone, and I would bury it. And it would just, I just wouldn't allow it to be part of my future. Um, but that's not the way abortion works. <laughs> so it really um, becomes part of you, um, how you think about things, how you perceive yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so that relationship fell apart, um, which, you know, the percentages are pretty high that people that have abortions together as couples do end up breaking up. And that, that ha- happened. And then I got involved in another relationship. This one was, um, you know, very abusive. Um, and it became very abusive very quickly. And um, I was not raised with abuse, so it's odd that I would allow that like I did, but I did. And, um, he was, he was, um, a very difficult, uh, young man to be involved with. Um, he was involved with drugs and alcohol and I was not raised that way either. So I, I was, um, not quite sure how to handle him, but instead of leaving, I, um, I stayed and found myself pregnant again. And this time it wasn't like, maybe we should go talk to somebody at Planned Parenthood. It was more like, get in the car. You're having an abortion. And I didn't really um, want to go against him because I knew what that might make, mean for me. And he did, uh, you know, beat me up a couple times to try to uh, see if he could force me into having a miscarriage. And so I just thought, you know what, I'm not, uh, I can't do this. I can't. And instead of using that as an opportunity to leave and get away and and seek help, I felt I didn't deserve better than that. And I didn't deserve to be um, in a different situation. And and who was going to want to help me after what I already did once? And now I had chosen to be with this horrible guy. So who was going to want to help me? And I felt very alone and lost. So off I went to Planned Parenthood again. Um, and uh, had an abortion, and then um, that following day, uh, I became very ill and had a lot of pain and um, began to hemorrhage, and I was, um, I asked him to take me to the hospital, which um, he did, and dropped me off, and I went in and uh, passed out and was unconscious, and they rushed me in for emergency surgery to save my life, and he drove off and went to the bar, so he never even knew what happened to me. Um, but, you know, I can remember, and I say this in the book, you know, being taken down the hallway to the surgical, you know, room, thinking my mom is going to get a phone call that says your daughter has died from an abortion. And uh, I prayed in that moment, Lord, I know I'm a horrible person. I am, truly. Please, please don't let me die. 
And, um, you know, that was uh, how low things had gotten for me. And so God did rescue me. He got me through that. Um, He didn't allow me to die. And um, a few months later, uh, I found myself pregnant again. And um, this time I didn't tell him. I just went. I just went. And uh, they they don't care at Planned Parenthood (laughs) that you have come three times or that you're covered in bruises or anything else. They were, how can you pay, you know, cash or check or charge? And, you know, come on in, let's go. Let's have another one. So they weren't, you know, in, in all three times I never saw a doctor. I never saw a doctor. Um, I never saw an ultrasound. I never heard a heartbeat. And um, so now I've had three abortions, and I consider even myself to be the lowest form of human being. And um, suicidal. The only reason why I didn't do that was because I didn't want to face God. <laughs> I, I, I still believed in God and I respected God mm-hmm. and I didn't want to have to face him and I didn't want to hurt my, my parents. So, um, it was a very hopeless time. I didn't, didn't know what my future looked like, but it looked dark at that time. And then, uh, a young woman who I went to Christian school with, um, her and I kind of reconnected and we're just chatting a little bit and how was your life and oh, how was your life? And she was, um, had just married a seminary student who was going to become a pastor, you know, just the polar opposite of everything I was mm-hmm. in my life. And she started looking in on me and realized I was in trouble. And she um, really went out of the way to help me. And, um, came to my apartment with my um, now husband, Brad, and her husband, and they, you know, packed up my apartment and said, no more, no more. You're not going to live like this anymore. You're not going to get beat up anymore. That's enough. Um, And they helped me move out. And, um, you know, a lot of things happened in that process, but um, it was um, a complete turnaround of the way I had been living. And it was a long road to recovery and, um, you know, healing, kind of just barely getting started at that point. Um, And, of course, I asked the Lord to forgive me, and he did, and went back to church. That was really hard. Um, But two years later, I got married, and um, we had a family right away, which is such a miracle with the damage that was done to my body that I could even have kids um, is a miracle. And so I had, you know, three kids really close together and you're busy with your life, raising your kids. And that was wonderful. And then I really started to feel that God was calling me to do something to help women, but was not thinking about abortion at all. Cause I had only told my husband. So wasn't like that was a topic that I was even considering getting involved with anything to do with that. And a girl from my church said, hey, you know, the pregnancy center is hiring. And I was like, well, that's nice. What does that have to do with me? And I almost felt like, why would she even ask me that? <laughs> Can she see it on my face? Like, And um, so I, I thought, okay, help women and babies. That sounds cool. I can do that. Um, 
not really realizing all that abortion, um, you know, the clinics that are against abortion do. So I, um, I got hired for the job and I was very excited. And, um, and then a woman came in one day and was actually talking about, you know, I'm not going to have this baby. <clears throat> and, um, who I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, I can't have you not have your baby. Like, hold on, hold on. And, you know, I listened to her for a little while. And then I said, listen, there's something I want to tell you. And I told her my story and how um, traumatic abortion truly is. Mm -hmm. And she did not want to do that. And she did not want to take the life of her own child. And it would be not something that would be easy to live with. Um, and I just, I gave her every bit of truth. I knew at that point when I just barely started the job and she didn't, she didn't have an abortion. Mm. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. All right, God, what are you trying to do here? Like, is this what you want for me? Do you want me to tell people my story so that they, they know that I truly understand where they're coming from. First of all, I really, really get their fear. Um, but to, to push them away from the option of abortion. And so it became like this path that I've got to start telling some people. I mean, the board didn't even know where I worked. My children didn't know. My parents didn't know. And I kind of felt like God was going to make me tell. <laughs> and I wanted to submit to whatever he wanted me to do. I just wanted, and I, you know, I wanted to do what he wanted me to do. And I would say that. I would pray in the morning before work. Okay, Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing here. But please just, whatever it is, I'll do it. And, you know, the telling phase began telling uh, my board. And they were wonderful and amazing. And telling my kids, really, really hard. Really hard. My boys were so supportive and amazing. My daughter, um... That was really hard. Yeah, just she cried and um, she just said, you know, Mom, it's, it's just weird to think that there, there were others. Mm -hmm. There were others that should have been here with you. And, you know, just a lot for her mind to wrap around at that moment. But she was very loving towards me and really great. Um, then my parents, oh, gosh, that was, that was like being – 12 years old all over again, going home to sit down and talk with them and um, explain what had happened and um, what I was planning to do and um, possibly, you know, in the future, sharing it with women's groups and other organizations if it was going to help other people. And my dad was very worried about that. Mm -hmm. He was very worried about that. And, um, and I just assured him, I was like, well, you know, Dad, it's going to be okay because I'm only going to do it when I know that this is what God wants. If he, if he sends me somewhere to tell my story, I'll go and I'll do what he wants. So it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. So um, that's kind of, you know, what's been happening. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to write this book. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there because there's 64 million of us out there, you know, women uh, that have suffered 
with the trauma of abortion, I want them uh, to be able to get this book. It's an easy read. It's it's a quick mm-hmm. read. I think I read it in a day. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and that's my publisher, who was really a great, great guy. Uh, he said, that's what you want to do. You really want it to be something where people will finish it. You know, you know how many times people, oh, I read this great book. <laughs> you really want to read it. And I have like stacks of books in my office, like literally stacks of books that I'll probably never get to, even though they're great books. So I just wanted it to be super quick and easy to read mm-hmm. um, to women that have had an abortion so they know they're not alone, to young people that are kind of like, is it really that big of a deal? You know, mm-hmm. yes, it it's a really big deal. Um, and just to the church. The church um, needs to really understand what's going on out there and stop sitting sitting there and doing nothing about it and and really step out and stand for life. So, um, you know, it's it's out there and it's available to people and it it's it's been great because I'm hearing a lot of feedback about people that have read it and they're giving it to someone they know who needs it, mm-hmm. and that's what I really love hearing. Oh, my girlfriend told me she had an abortion and she still cries about it 20 years later. I gave it to her. Mm. And I'm just, that, that really makes me happy. It's so, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess we kind of talked about this a little bit, but like what motive, like what problems did it seem like the abortion was going to solve? Like what was your, I guess, mindset going into them? Like, I guess just like from your experience, cause then it translates for other women who might be in similar situations. Um, yeah. I feel like I've, you know, two different relationships I was in. The first one, of course, I I just feel like the judgment of a baby before you were married was Mm -hmm. back then more so than now. Mm -hmm. But um, in the the Christian culture that I was raised in, that was not going to be good. Um, I didn't want my parents to be ashamed of me and embarrassed. Um, And I really, I was young. I was, you know, 20 years old and I I didn't know how I was going to handle that situation and I had kind of um, moved out of my house my parents had kind of said you you should move out because I was seeing this guy who they didn't like and so it, it was difficult because I just felt like he's all I have so he thinks I should think about it mm-hmm. um, so I, I guess I should think about it and you know, I wish I had been able to go to a pregnancy center instead and talk to them first, but I didn't know they existed in the world. So um, it was just so much fear. And fear is what is driving women into the door of Planned Parenthood every day. And our women aren't even taking 10 minutes to stop to think about it. They find out they're pregnant. They they go do something that they they can never take back. And then they sit and think about it. Mm. And it's too late. It's too late. So I really think it's just the fear of disappointing people and the fear of not being able to handle it. And really just I was young and listened to him. And then the second time, of course, it was just I was in such an abusive situation. Truly, I should have just left. Um, But, you know, when you're in abuse, you really feel like you are not capable of choosing for yourself. You know, they're in control of you. And it, it, it took a lot of um, 
help and support for me to walk away from that and realize I don't have to do what he tells me to do. I don't have to stay here and be treated this way. That's not what God wants for me. Um, and so I had to have people remind me of that. Yeah. Um, and what advice would you have for women that are in similar circum situations in either relationship, like either in an abusive one or where they just feel like they shouldn't be pregnant and it's an easy fix with quotes around that? Yeah, right. Um, well, that's what I do all day, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just yesterday, uh, you know, women yeah. come in, a young woman came in and she has two children and she said, um, you know, I, I can't, I, I can't. Her fear was um, particularly that she would have really bad postpartum depression again. And she has a, a young baby. So she was like that fear, really, she just fixated on that. And that's what we do as women, right? We, f we fixate on the thing that makes it seem impossible. Yeah. Whatever that is, I can't, because I, I can't have postpartum again. I, I can't survive that. Or I can't because I'm in the middle of college and I have to finish. Or I can't because this guy doesn't want me to and he'll leave me if I don't. He's going to leave you anyway. Uh, so we, we find that thing that makes it look impossible. And we just focus on that instead of focusing on what we should focus on, which is there's a human life inside of you now that deserves to live and have a chance at life, right? So the circumstances, and I, and I always do this with the women that we're talking to. Listen, I get it. Your fear is real. And I'm not here to say it's not. Mm -hmm. I, I get what you're going through but I, I need to remind you of some things, that there's a human life growing inside of you that is uniquely created by God and deserves to live. And this may seem hard, and it seems like a crisis, um, and I get that. Now let's try, to, let's try to think differently. What would it look like to embrace the idea of having a baby? What could we do to help you be able to do that? And we, our center provides a lot of resources to help women do that. That's beautiful. When you were offered the position at the pregnancy center, like what went through your mind? Did you connect it with your abortions at all? Or was it just like, hey, this sounds like a good, like it's something, a calling that I have? Now, I'm literally, I, I, people ask me that all the time. And it's almost <laughs> embarrassing because like I really didn't. I really didn't. That's how deep that was buried. Wow. I just thought. First of all, I didn't really understand what pregnancy centers do. I thought they just help women with babies. That's what I thought. I, I didn't even realize, and, you know, the current um, pregnancy center um, model is a little different from 25 years ago, right? So we weren't ultrasounding back then, where now we're offering those services to our women. But I just really, I thought, okay, I'll, I'm, I'm good at sales. I can motivate groups of people and pastors to give to this center to help women and their babies. <laughs> and I was happy to be doing that. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm going to have to talk to women who are thinking about not having babies. <laughs> like, uh-oh, um, how stupid to not have seen the bigger picture that God had already laid out. That's what happens most of the time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it was, it, but how how merciful is God that he, and I've been saying this too lately, he literally forced me into healing. <laughs> he forced me into, you know, working through a lot of that buried issues so that I could help other people 
So my journey of healing is is not like everybody else's because mm-hmm. it's it really started when I got the job. So some people have been like, do you think you're equipped? And I'm like, well, you have to talk to God about that because he apparently did. And I'm just following his plan. So, yeah. Um, and off of that, what services does Genesis, your pregnancy center offer? Like what practical things, how do they help women? Like, and you said they do ultrasounds, but what else? Yeah. So we do the, the free pregnancy test, of course. And then we follow up with an ultrasound and <clears throat> we, um, do STD testing and treatment for women. Um, we always sit down and talk with them, um, you know, encouraging that abstinence is the only safe direction you should be, you know, should be headed. Um, and then we do counseling. We do advocacy with, like, um, once the baby's born. Mm-hmm. Um, we call them mom appointments where an advocate will sit down with you and just really it's like a sister talking to a sister, we're trying to encourage, support, listen, um, provide resources that we might have b- beyond our own building to help them um, with not just their baby, but we often help with their other small children. So clothing, diapers, formula, um, things for the mom, car seats, cribs, you name it, we have it, and they get that all for free. Um, so we're really um, the opposite of what the culture is saying we care about the baby long term. We care about the mom. Mm-hmm. Um, we have connections to insurances, college education programs for single moms, housing, um, a lot of things to have them be able to see the baby as a catalyst to good things. Wow, that's yeah. It's a caring for the woman, although and like so much of culture says like, oh, you just care about the baby before it's born. And like pregnancy centers are the stark example of the opposite. Like you carry care for the woman and the child all the way through and the other children. Yeah, all the way through. And I've had to say to a woman too, um, which I think is a complete picture of the love of Christ. Like, listen, if today you leave here and you don't listen Mm -hmm. and you don't choose life for your baby and you find yourself in deep sadness from this decision, you can come back and we will counsel you because we do post-trauma counseling for women who have had abortions. And so I will sit here and I will hold your hand and and listen to you talk about that struggle. So I'm not going to hate you because you, you make that choice. I don't want you to, I want you to choose life. But if you come back here and you need us to work through that, I'm here for that because how could I not be? And um, so based on your experiences working at a pregnancy center, what are some common reasons that women come for, like, abortions? Like, is it because they're pressured into it? Is it usually external circumstances? I guess you said it's fear. So that's basically, I guess, driving everything. Yeah. I mean, it's fear, but fear because, again, you know, my boyfriend doesn't want it or he just left me Mm -hmm. or um, I already have four children and I can't have another one or I just had a baby and I don't want to be pregnant again. Um, I've heard um, I'm too young and it will mess up my body. (laughs) I've heard um, I'm too old and I don't want to start over. Um, Let's see. I mean, you name it and we've heard it. Okay. Um, We've heard all the excuses of as to why they've considered that to be, Mm -hmm. you know, an option they have to think about. Yeah. Um, And then how can our listeners best help people who like women who are considering abortion, like if they encounter a daughter or a sister or a friend or somebody who's considering an abortion, do you have any practical tips of like what they can say, what they can do um, to help them? 
choose life. Right. Yeah. So I think that's really important. And that's something, you know, I was just at a school and the kids were looking at the book and I was like, this is a great thing to read because I, I need you to be equipped for when your friend says to you, "Uh oh, I think I'm pregnant. What should I do? And you're being given truth today. So I want you to share that with your friend. So um, I think it's important uh, that pro-life people know the facts of life, that life begins at conception, and we know that. There's a great video called the Miracle of Life video that shows the, the spark of light when the, you know, the sperm and egg come together and the, the development, how fast it happens and by five to six weeks, there's a heartbeat that can be heard because we hear it all the time in our center. Um, and it isn't, it isn't your body to do with what you want. It, it's a separate body growing inside of you, another human being. And it's a miracle. Um, and there can be, an, there can be uh, um, I'll put it this way. Women say this all the time. It's fine. I'll just have another one later. Mm. As if to say the one that they're pregnant with now isn't valuable, isn't important. You, you can't just have another one later. It's not going to be the same one, right? This is a unique baby. Its DNA is unique and special and one of a kind. That baby's life matters, and, and that baby should be allowed to live. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, we live in a culture that, that's not the messaging they're giving our young people, but, you know, that really is the truth. Yeah. And what was it like to start sharing your story publicly? Was that hard to be able to, I'm assuming it was, <laughs> um, but can you share a little bit of like what that was like? Yeah. Uh, the first time I did it was in Michigan. Um, I had a friend who asked me to come out and speak at a life conference, which was terrifying. Again, like who does that? Like who really, who public speaks and tells a story like this? in front of a big group of other directors. But yeah, God just does, keeps doing things that <laughs> I wouldn't really choose to do otherwise. But uh, I went out and he just said this, I think it's just a, such a great story that you went from such darkness to now, you know, running these clinics. And um, so I did it. And I was terrified. I was terrified. And, um, and people, you know, were gracious and they were kind to me and they were very supportive. And then, you know, I went home and, you know, a couple moms group asked me and a, a women's group at a church and this group would ask and it got a little easier. And, um, and, you know, we're just, you know, growing the center and, and trying to do this great work. And depending on what kind of week you have, like, if you feel like you're really doing great work and you're just succeeding and you're saving babies and then there's weeks where it's hard because you're not sure that you saved that baby and you you have to go home and kind of give that give that situation over to God in prayer but um yeah it's a it has been a journey and i'm um not afraid to speak in public but i will tell you that some days i do say to my husband I wish I had something else I could share today because you're really telling people who you used to be. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could say, I, I'm coming to speak to you about, you know, something else, you know, but that's, but that's what God's called me to do. 
um, he he wants me to talk about who I used to be so that people can see what God did with my life and how he chose to use somebody who was completely broken for his own purposes. So um, I would rather do that, even though it's still hard to talk about it sometimes. I would rather do that than not, because I feel like I honor God in doing it, and I also honor the lives of the three children that weren't given the opportunity to live. That's beautiful. And do you have any final thoughts for our listeners of things you want to say to them or <laughs> anything? Um, you know what? I just, you know, the world we live in today is hard. And this is a huge, huge topic, right? It's huge politically. It's huge in our families and in, in our young people. Social media is working overtime to influence our kids that abortion is fine. It's an easy answer to a problem. Um, and it's not an easy answer. It's not good for our young women to swallow pills and self-abort in their bathrooms with their parents having no knowledge. That's not good for them mentally, um, spiritually, physically. It's dangerous. Um, and that's, that's happening every day. And we as people that stand for life, we need to be gracious and loving in our approach always, but we need to fight back. It's time to stop sitting and not wanting to offend anyone. I'm not looking to offend anyone, but um, I know the truth. I've been there. I've been on that table. Um, I really understand abortion at a very deep emotional level, and I understand what it's like to work with people that are considering abortion, who have had abortions, and who have chosen life too. So we've got to get out there and not be afraid to stand up for life. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been so much, it's been such an honor hearing your story and being able to do this with you. Thank you. And for all of our listeners um, who are listening on YouTube or Rumble, um, please remember to like, follow, subscribe. And for everyone listening on our audio platforms, please share with your friends and follow. And then I'll link your website, which has a link to your book, I believe, um, in the description. So you can look that up if you're interested in it. So thank you. All right. Thank you. <laughs> and keep on living a culture of life. God bless. God bless.